We're in Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians, as you can see on the screen, living strong in the Lord. On a spring day, a spring Mississippi day, as a matter of fact, in Waveland, some years ago, a two-year-old girl was playing outside and without the knowledge of those who were watching her, and her older sister, teenager, realized she was missing. And when that girl went outside looking for her and other two teenagers, they found her tricycle floating in the swimming pool and found the little girl floating face down at the other end in the shallow end of the pool. A friend of mine was standing in his kitchen and someone told him that looks like something's going on across the street. And he said, I went out as fast as my bum leg could carry me. And they were screaming and crying. I asked him if there was anything I could do to help. And, the, and the, it was teenage girls. And they said, yes, please. And he tried to revive the little girl. And then the police and the EMR and the fire department arrived and they tried to revive her. They rushed her to the hospital. But he said, and he wrote this in a note to me, it was all in vain. And included in his email was a clip from the paper noting the tragedy and with her obituary. And he wrote, it has taken its toll on us. I think about her several times every day. When somebody is dead, there is nothing that you or I can do to change the situation. Medical science can <clears throat> prolong someone's life, but the best of us can do nothing when life is gone. And when I first read that note he sent me, I was struck by the words, it was all in vain. A couple of weeks ago, we started looking at the second chapter of Ephesians, and, and there Paul looked back at the past condition of folks who had come to know the Lord Jesus in the city of Ephesus, and he said, and you were dead. That's how he began talking about their past life before they came to know Christ. But in verse 4 of chapter 2, he said something rather radical. He said, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. The title of the message tonight is a question. Have you been saved by grace? I want to ask you another question. I want you to think about something. Do you Suppose that my friend was rich in mercy when he saw the plight of that little girl. Do you not also suppose that the medical professionals, the police, the emergency responders were all rich in mercy? I think so. I think they cared. I think they would have done anything in their power to make that little girl live. They were rich in mercy, but not rich enough. It was not in their power to bring that little girl back from the dead. It was not in the mother's power. It was not in the doctor's power. As desperately as they all tried, it was in vain. And Paul says 
that the state of a person without Christ is spiritually dead. That person is, that is the state in which they live. They are spiritually dead. If we could see them the way God sees them, maybe we would feel the overwhelming mercy that swells up in the heart of God for the lost, like that mercy that flowed that day in the heart of my friend for that little girl. And maybe, just maybe, we would make some effort to do something about it to tell people about Jesus. But regardless of how much mercy we might have for a friend who is lost, we are powerless to save them. And they are powerless to save themselves. The only way they can be saved is by a miracle of God's grace. And that is the only way that you can be saved is by a miracle of God's grace. So have you been saved by grace. Look at chapter 2 of Ephesians verses 8 and 9. Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. Grace is God on a mission of rescue. God was the one who reached down and helped these people out of their helplessness and hopelessness. Nobody else could help them but God. What can uh, a person who is drowned do to save themselves? Not one thing. What can a person who is lost do to save themselves? Not one thing. Grace is God on a mission of rescue to save your soul. Grace is God pulling you out of the murky waters of sin. Grace is God breathing life into your lungs. Grace is God giving you the gift of faith and enabling you to believe and to take the breath that God offers you. Choose not to do that and there's no hope for you. So I told you the story about the efforts of well-meaning neighbors and police and medical professionals and how helpless they were. And I remind you that human effort, mine, yours, and all ours together cannot bring those who are spiritually dead to life. Grace is not you believing. Grace is God rescuing you from the murky waters of sin and giving you the ability to believe. You see a picture of grace when you see Jesus standing outside the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus being rich in mercy because of the great love which he had for Lazarus made him live. What could Lazarus do to live? Not anything at all. What part did he play in his own raising? None at all. The breath of life came into Lazarus. All he had to do was breathe. So when God, breathed, by his grace, breathes the breath of spiritual life into you and imparts the faith to believe, if you don't draw that breath and act upon it, you remain dead in your trespasses and sins. You'll be dead to God. You'll be dead to spiritual truth. You'll be dead to spiritual life of any kind. And should you remain so throughout the course of your physical life, you will remain forever cut off from the life and presence of God. Faith is your response to God's grace. Faith is falling into the arms of God's rich mercy. God, by His grace, reaches out to every person on this planet because God is not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. God is on a mission of rescue. God is rich in mercy. And not only is He rich in mercy, God alone has the ability to breathe life into those who are spiritually dead. Faith is you in your helplessness, trusting the mercy and grace of God to save. Have you been saved by grace? Do you, by the grace of God, live? Have you, by the grace of God, believed in the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and his offer of salvation. Now, one of the things that uh, the book of Ephesians teaches us, among other books of the Bible, is that salvation is not a work of human effort. Now, there are some denominations that teach that it is, that the first thing you have to do to be saved is to be baptized, that baptism saves you. But baptism would then be a work and not a response to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be something you do to save yourself. But salvation is from start to finish a life-giving work of God's grace. And if a work of grace has been accomplished in your life, then it issues in obedience. There's an interesting verse uh, in chapter 2, verse 10. I love this verse. I love this verse because of one word in it. It says, for we are his workmanship. That's the word I like. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship has quite a significant meaning, and it's a special meaning to me. This weekend, Loosedale celebrated another year of gingham tree. I know it's been going on for decades. It's been going on, I know, for over 40 years because we came here 40, this April will be 40 years ago, and gingham tree was going on when we got here, so it's one of those traditions here in Loosedale, and I know uh, when you go to those things, you're always amazed by the giftedness of the artist there. But what one work of art there created itself? Have you ever seen a painting paint itself or uh, a piece of pottery make itself? Or, or any, anything that's artistic at all, a story, write itself? No, that, that never happens. Someone... There's a workman behind it. There's an artist behind it. There's a mind behind it. Uh, the word workmanship is a unique word. It's really not that unique. It's one that you know. It's one that you use. It's one that you learn in school. It's one that, that we use often. It's the Greek word poema. P-O. The P in the Greek is pi-o-e. M-A, poema. We are his poema. It's the word that we get our English word, poem. We are his poem. Now, I think that's pretty special to me that you, don't you didn't just happen. God has a hand in your life. God had a hand in saving you. God had a hand in calling you to salvation. God has a hand in creating you, making you into the person he wants you to be. Now we can go back to Psalm 139 and we can talk about before we were born. Before we were born, we're God's 
handiwork. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, knitted together in our mother's womb. And then God is also at work behind the scenes in our life. Let's think about all the things that go on. You know, we try to figure out what God is doing. I, I, one of the things I wanted to say, Doug got into that other song and wouldn't let me say what I wanted to say. So, so I'll say it now, Doug. I wanted to say I'm thankful for God's guidance. I'm thankful for wherever I be without his guidance. I make a, would have made a lot of serious mistakes, and all of us need God's guidance. But sometimes, even then, when we're trying to follow God's guidance, we can't see what God is doing in our lives. We can't see how God is working in our lives. As a matter of fact, sometimes we look at things and we think God's not working at all. And I've told you before about the, uh, you've seen a grandmother or a lady, doesn't have to be a grandmother, does it? Uh, they can be doing embroidery and they have an embroidery hoop and they're stitching something in the embroidery. And a little child sitting at grandmother's feet looks up at the embroidery and they see the ragged edge. They see the underside and it just doesn't make sense. You can't see. But the grandmother is stitching a pattern into that fabric. And God is also doing the same things in our life. And sometimes we look at what God is doing and say, God, you've messed my life up. You're, you're making no sense. And yet God is working his handiwork. We are his craftsmanship, his workmanship, his poem. God is creating you to be who he wants you to be. He has a plan for your life. And, and to me, that's good news. We who were dead are now God's poem. We are God's work of art before the eyes of men and angels. So is the grace of God at work in your life? Certainly it is. God's grace is is all around us. God's grace is actively trying to, to save us for lost people. That's, he's working in, in lost people's life. But God's grace is also actively at work in the life of believers as well because you need God's grace today as desperately as you needed God's grace before you ever got saved because to keep on going, to keep Look, how many times have you had to ask God to forgive you? How many times have you failed and fallen? And is God, how many times, you know, look, sometimes we jump back in the pool and we endanger our own selves. We jump back into the murky waters of sin and we flounder. And where would we be without God's grace if God in those moments didn't say, you shouldn't be there? He could just leave us there, couldn't he? He could let us drown in our own mistakes and in our own sins, but he doesn't. God, by his grace, reaches down and pulls us again out of the murky waters of sin. Peter's a perfect illustration of that. When Peter was walking on the water and took his eyes off Jesus, like Jesus didn't know what he was doing and Peter knew what he was doing, what happened to Peter? He sank. And then what did Peter have to say? He had to rely on God's grace. He had to say, Lord, save me. And was God's grace at work in Peter's life that day? Absolutely. Jesus reached down and pulled him up out of the waters. Uh, some years ago, I was at uh, Cottage Hill Baptist Church for some kind of meeting. This was probably nearly 20 years ago. 
and I had come down to Cottage Hill Baptist Church for some Alabama Baptist meeting. And one of the staff members at, uh, at Cottage Hill had painted a picture of that moment when Jesus pulled Peter out of the water. And it was, a, it was, it was that, that work of art, his craftsmanship that day, his workmanship showed me something about God and that moment and the Lord Jesus Christ that I had never thought about. You know where Peter was when Jesus was taking him back to the boat from that artist's perception in his mind and his heart? The Lord Jesus was walking on the water carrying Peter back to the boat. And isn't that what we need sometimes? Lord, I need you to scoop me up and I need you to carry me back to where I belong. I've fallen into the murky waters of sin again. We are saved by God's grace. Yes, we are. But God's grace continues to surround us and preserve us and to rescue us time and time again. Where would we be without God's grace? God's grace is, it, grace is God pulling you out of the murky waters of sin. God's grace is breathing into you the breath of life. Grace is God giving you the ability to believe. And so what we need to do at various moments in our life, certainly if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, God's reaching out to you because he wants to save you. But if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've fallen back into the murky waters of sin, or you feel like Peter and you were walking on that water all on your own and now you've sunk, Jesus is still reaching out to you by his grace to save you. You know the acrostic about grace. I know Brother Ben knows it and most everybody should know it by now. It's not exactly right, probably, but it makes good sense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's the letter's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we couldn't do anything for ourselves, when we couldn't help ourselves, and nobody else could help us, God was reaching out to help us. And that is still what God is doing for you and for me tonight. Let's pray.